Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of September 10th through the 12th, plus all the other weekends I've missed while on break. Uh, my name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Uh, hope everyone is doing well out there, and hope you guys had a good time while I was on a bit of a small break. Uh, funnily enough, the week after I decided to take a few weeks off, we ended up having a bunch of box office-related news. Um, I'm going to do my best to recap what I missed over the last couple of weeks. In addition, while there isn't a ton of box office news to go over uh, for this past weekend, I do want to look at the rest of the year week by week to go over the releases uh, and which ones I think are likely to gross or open to $100 million as a measure of recovery for the pandemic. But first, let's hit the headlines for the last couple of weeks and see the numbers for how the box office has been. For the weekend of August 19th, Dragon Ball Super Superhero beat out Idris Elba's Beast with $21.1 million opening weekend to be, I think, the first anime film since Pokemon to open at number one in its opening weekend. Yes, Demon Slayer last year did hit number one in its second weekend, but that was its second weekend. Uh, Beast opened about $11.5 million in, in, in number two spot, and an orphan first kill from Paramount opened to $1.7 million in only about 498 theaters down in number 12. Uh, total box office for the weekend was 78.9 million. Uh, weekend of August 26th, the invitation from Sony opened to $6.8 million. Uh, Beast dropped 58% and Dragon Ball Super uh, dropped about 78%, which seems steep but is about in line with other anime films. Uh, we also saw George Miller's fantasy romance starring Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton, 3,000 Years of Longing, making it own $2.9 million in 7th place in 2,436 theaters, which uh, for a $60 million budget film is not great. Uh, Total box office for the weekend, $52 million. So then we come to Labor Day weekend, and Top Gun Maverick somehow returned to number one at the box office in week 15 with $6 million, which is just insane given it was up 27% week over week, which partly does make sense because it's the long weekend and partly because we had uh, the um, we had the uh, um, National Cinema Day. Um, but basically, Top Gun was number one film in May and ends the summer as number one for the last week of August, which is eerily similar to what happened to the first Top Gun uh, opening in May and, 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 and number one in September 12 years later. Uh, we also saw the Spider-Man No Way Home More Stuff version re-release coming in at number three behind Bullet Train at number two. Uh, Spider-Man pulled in 5.4 million and 3,000 935 theaters, putting at $810 million to date. Um, there's also a new release way down at like number 13, Hong for Jesus Save Your Soul, only making $1.4 million. A total, total box office did actually manage to stay flat at about $52 million total. Again, part of this was National Cinema Day on Saturday with $3 tickets, uh, but more on that later. Uh, finally, this past weekend on September 9th, we have three openings. Uh, in first, we have 20th Century's horror film Barbarian, opening to $10.5 million in 23.40 theaters per theater average of 45.06, basically the exact production budget of the film, so not bad. Uh, in second place, we have a film from India, Brahmastra Part 1 Siva, which is a fantasy action adventure picture, the first in the planned trilogy and the most expensive Hindi language film made to date. It opened in only 810 theaters to $4.5 million for a per theater average of $5,609. Globally, apparently it opened in over 8,000 theaters uh, um, for about 20, 20, 23 or so million dollars worldwide, which is the widest opening for a Hindi film ever. Otherwise, not too much else notable this weekend. Uh, total box office for the past weekend is $42 million, which is the lowest grossing weekend this year since all the way back on January 28th when the weekend box office was only $34 million. 
So that's the highlights of the numbers from the past few weeks, but let's dig into the performance of a few specific films and some benchmarks. Uh, first off, Top Gun Maverick beat out Black Panther to become the fifth highest grossing film domestically. It made $705 million to date to Black Panther's $700 million. Unlikely it'll get to number four, as that would require it beating the first Avatar at $760 million, which, considering that that one is getting a re-release in a couple of weeks, uh, is not likely to happen, but still... I don't think anyone was planning was going into the year expecting Top Gun to be the number five grossing film domestically of all time. Also, not yet the next film, not quite yet a benchmark, but Jurassic World Dominion, while only at three seventy five million domestically, is nearing that mythical one billion dollar mark worldwide to be the forty eighth film to do so. It is at about nine hundred ninety seven million dollars to date as of this weekend, with a re release a couple weekends back, not really doing too much to move the needle. Now, it's not a sure thing, of course. Uh, the Dark Knight in two thousand eight stalled out at nine hundred ninety eight point six million dollars, but it's going to be super tight either way. Um, in any case, the entire Jurassic franchise has crossed the six billion dollar mark coming in at number 10 of all time for all franchises. Uh, Dragon Ball Super so far has made about $36.6 million at the domestic box office, which puts it at number four of anime films domestically and the highest grossing Dragon Ball film to date, booting out Super Dragon Ball Super Broly at $30 million and Jujutsu Kaisen at $34 million, still behind Pokemon 2000's $43 million and Demon Slayer's $49.5 million, and of course, The King Pokemon the first movie at $85.7 million. I'm really looking forward to see how the One Piece Red movie does in November. Uh, speaking of, it hasn't made its way stateside becoming in November, but in Japan it's made $12 billion yen, the highest grossing film of the year, and has hit $100 million globally, with I believe $10 million, or 10, um, 10 million uh, admissions in Japan. Uh, some other benchmarks and closings. Elvin hit 150 million domestic, which is also broken even against its 83 million production budget, hitting 283 million worldwide. Its legs are 4.81x for the for the summer, which kind of insane when you think about it. It's now the second highest musical biopic worldwide behind Bohemian Rhapsody. So great job, Elvis. Uh, meanwhile, Bullet Train is only at 92 million dollars, so hopefully you can get to 100 million domestically and 211 million worldwide. A bit sort of its 86 million dollar budget, but doable. Uh, Lightyear ended its run at 118 million which is in fact the lowest grossing uh, domestic total for a non-pandemic Pixar film, even lower than The Good Dinosaur's $123 million. Yikes. Uh, nope was able to actually cross a light year's total with $122 million, making it the top 10 of the year domestically, at least briefly. Uh, Pause of Fury ended its run at a paltry $17 million, which I think everyone saw coming. Um, I may have missed some others, let me know, um, but there were also some other re-releases, which I don't think made too much of an impact. Uh, E.T., Rogue One, and Joss all re-released. Uh, over in China, the Minions actually opened on August 19th to third place for about 11 million US dollars, while New Gods Yang Zhan, uh, the latest animated film from the studio who made Neja and White Snake, opened to 19.4 million dollars. Since then, Minions has dropped down to ninth place on the charts, while Yang Zhan stays at number two with 60 million dollars to date versus 32 million dollars for Minions. Uh, also, apparently, James Cameron screened Avatar: Way of Water for the China Film Group. So even if the MCU doesn't look like it's being able to get its films over in China. It looks like Disney will still take a W for uh, Avatar 2 this coming December. Now, of course, I again, I decided to take a break from podcasting for a month, uh, and there were a ton of super important headlines for the box office industry that I had to cover. So I probably won't go all into all of these super in-depth, but just the highlights. Um, one of the reasons I decided to actually come back this particular weekend was that this past weekend was D23, which is Disney's big uh, expo. Um, I was hoping for a little bit more news about the upcoming MCU films, maybe what we what fill in the gaps of what we saw from San Diego Comic-Con. Um, and we got a couple of tidbits, right? The WandaVision director, 
Ultra is coming to direct Fantastic Four. Casting news for uh, Captain America New World Order, bringing back faces from the Incredible Hulk movie and Falcon and the Winter Soldier TV show. A uh, confirmation for the cast of the Thunderbolts being uh, Yelena, Red Guardian, Taskmaster from Black Widow, US Agent and Valentina de Fontaine from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as well as Bucky Barnes himself, and then Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, there is no confirmation on Baron Zemo yet, as it is in the comics. Um, but otherwise, most of the other Marvel news was TV show related. Nothing really about you know new movies or whatnot. Uh, over on the non-Marvel side, we got details of the Mufasa prequel for the live-action Lion King set to come out 2024. The live-action Little Mermaid released a trailer uh, to much consternation online and confirmed its 2023 release date. And then Pixar talked about their June 2023 film Elemental, as well as their uh, next film afterwards, uh, Spring 2024 Elio, which is about a boy who becomes Earth representative to aliens. Um, and then Inside Out 2 was confirmed probably summer 2024. And then on the Walt Disney Animation side, after Strange World this year, the next film will be for the 100th year celebration of Disney called Wiss, uh, coming out November 2023. Um, and then the rest of the news was mostly TV shows, um, you know, American Born Chinese, Muppets Mayhem, Willow, no news about Star Wars movies still, uh, Waititi or Johnson or otherwise, though we did get details on the Star Wars TV series. And of course, various Disney Plus Day stuff like Thor Love and Thunder coming to the platform and some $5 re-releases in theaters I already mentioned. Uh, speaking of corporate holidays, as I mentioned, this past Labor Day weekend, thousands of theaters across the country and many major chains, including AMC, participated in National Cinema Day. Uh, since there weren't really real notable releases between August and September, arguably most of October, um, we've seen weekly box office totals be dangerously slow. So to try to promote that, right, especially during Labor Day weekend, which isn't usually the greatest weekend for uh, movie going as people are going to barbecues and such, they put together a promotion that all movies in all formats would be $3 for Saturday the 3rd. I'm not sure how full how it worked in terms of counting revenue if they just counted three dollars per admission or or if someone was making up the difference but in any case uh it seems to have worked as reports suggest that uh there was an increased attendance in movie theaters all over all weekend uh, even matching previous weekend's revenue total myself actually i was planning on actually trying to catch an evening so uh, after my dog had gone to sleep but for the first time in a while all the screenings after 7 p.m were completely sold out for me um, at my local theater so yeah i think it definitely worked and they'd be kind of crazy i think to not do this again next year also. That said, the issue of lack of releases is still a big issue for movie theaters. So much so that actually Regal Cinema's owner Cineworld filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in Texas while I was out. In fact, Regal, the Regal Theater near my parents' place where I'm planning on spending the Christmas holiday, closed down for good when news of this came around. And so apparently it's set to be replaced by a big hardware store and I'm going to need to find a new movie theater to watch some Christmas movies uh, while, I'm, while I'm down there. Um, reportedly, though, the chain had only about $4 million of cash on hand, which, yeah, basically made them insolvent, insolvent to really pay lights or its employees. Um, as part of the bankruptcy deal, which Chapter 11 doesn't really shut down the business, it basically lets it operate as going, but then restructures it you know, to try to get it to a place where it can be uh, sustainable on its own eventually and may maybe have new owners. Um, you know, the, the chain got $785 million in financing to keep operating for the time being, which is pretty big. Apparently, the original number was like $2 billion, but the judge struck it down since it looked like most of that financing would go to paying debts. Um, and he just didn't really want that to happen. So um, in any case, after Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which, you know, other theaters have done in the, in the past, Alamo Drafthouse most famously, um, it's not the end of Regal and Cineworld, but they're certainly going to need to adapt for the future. 
Um, as far as other companies in a bit of a dumpster fire situation, apparently for a hot minute, uh, Dan Lin, producer for Aladdin, Sherlock Holmes, and the Lego movies, was in talks with Warner to become the Kevin Feige equivalent for DC, but it looks like those talks have broken down, which given the uh, kind of unenviable position of having to report to David Zaslav and you know meet his lofty ambitions with probably not as many resources as you would like, I don't blame him for passing. Um, this is amid the news that 30-year veteran Courtney Val Valenti, president of production and development at uh, HBO Max, is leaving. Oh, Warner Brothers is leaving. HBO Max India put his launch on hold. And oh yeah, they apparently only had enough cast to really launch two films for the rest of the year. Don't worry, darling, which if you've been following film Twitter, has its own brand of drama surrounding that and Black Adam. Uh, they actually ended up pushing Suzanne 2 back from December this year to March 17, 2023. And Aquaman 2 is being pushed back all the way to December next year, um, which apparently they have more VFX to work on. So I guess now the flash is coming before that, assuming that doesn't get in trouble with Ezra Miller again. Um, it's hard to keep track. Uh, and Oh, and apparently House Party and uh, Evil, Dread, Evil Dead Rise from HBO Max are now going theatrical as well. And I haven't even mentioned that apparently Legendary Entertainment Distribution deal with Warner Brothers, you know, the one that brought them doing the and Godzilla vs. Kong, is now expired and Legendary is now looking to potentially move to work with Sony or Paramount. Uh, no details have been released as of yet, but that would be a pretty big blow to Warner Brothers. No, at least they're offering a discount uh, for HBO Max otherwise. Uh, speaking of you know these these films who have these properties, uh, legendary with Dune and Godzilla, uh, Embracer Group, a Swedish video game company, apparently acquired the rights to like all of the Lord of the Rings franchise: movies, video games, board games, merchandising, theme parks, stage productions, etc. Now there is some gray area about whether this leaves the Peter Jackson movies, which you know Warner Brothers is always going to claim they have rights to, and of course the whole Rings of Power stuff that Amazon is doing. But you know that's kind of a major move, I guess, in the world of entertainment. Uh, similarly, Never Ending Story. Apparently, there's a bidding war going on with some unnamed uh, participants. No news yet, though. Uh, I, ha I haven't seen the movie myself, but from what I've seen online, a lot of people are kind of angry about it and want people to just leave it alone. Uh, meanwhile, Hasbro is reportedly considering a sale of its entertainment assets, presumably G.I. Joe and Transformers. Uh, now, if only we get a Magic the Gathering movie, finally. Um, Old Boy from Park Chan-wook is apparently going to be coming to theaters sometimes in 2023, getting remastered. And then Braun, the company that financed films like Joker, Judas and the Black Messiah, Licorice Pizza, is apparently restructuring and laying off employees and maybe moving to Web3, question mark. Um, apparently, they still want to stay in the filmmaking business, but at hyper-small, Blum-esque budgets less than $10 million, not the major financial uh, stuff that they've been giving in the films like Joker and such. Oh yeah, and apparently Movie Pass uh, released over the weekend, uh, Flavor Day weekend with price tiers between ten to thirty, and their sidecast. Um, I'm gonna stick with HBO Mac, uh, AMC A list for the time being. Uh, tuning in to uh, streaming apps, uh, Paramount apparently is planning on combining with Showtime for a single streaming app. Um, prom a promo going on right now, which ends October 2nd. Um, apparently, you can still get them separate, but you can, the combined price is probably better, uh, not including live sports. But you know, this is just a reminder for me uh, to cancel my Paramount Plus subscription since I haven't really used it that much, actually. Um, moving on to Peacock, apparently the Halloween Ends movie is going to be coming out on Peacock and in theaters in October. Though, again, with Peacock and Solbase, I don't think it's going to be much of an issue. Um, over on Netflix side, and now this is something kind of interesting for me, um, I work in the ad, ad tech business and you know it's obviously been a big deal that Netflix is going to be launching uh, a ad-supported tier, uh, probably the 7 to $9 range, uh, probably in November to get ahead of Disney's launch. Um, and apparently they are asking for what's, uh, you know, a CPM is basically how much uh, advertisers pay the platform to sell their ads uh, per thousand viewers, right? So if someone sees your ad a thousand times, uh, the, the, they have to pay Netflix, you know, some dollar amount. 
that. Well, you know, companies like HBO Max or, or, or Peacock or Paramount, right, they were asking for something like maybe in the 25 maybe up to $40 range for premium stuff like HBO Max and their ad-supported platform. Uh, apparently, Netflix is going all out with $65 uh, CPM, which is kind of insane. I mean, yeah, they are kind of the biggest player in the space still, but is it, like, apparently they're not going to be including any like targeting or information about who's viewing, just that it's been seen. So yeah, that's going to be really interesting, I guess, from an ad tech perspective to see how that goes. Um, as far as specific films, I won't go into the exam numbers exactly, but it looks like The Gray Man, Top Gun Maverick, of course, Lightyear, and Morbius, oh Morbius, uh, have all done well on going to streaming, uh, topping the charts one week or another and breaking one record or another. Uh, Netflix also released their slate of films for the second half of the year, with some of their bigger awards films actually having a fairly long theatrical window up to a month and a half long. Uh, and speaking of awards films, uh, we are in awards season right now. I'm going to save most of my thoughts for which ones I think are most likely to get nominated for my other podcast, the Oscars Death Race podcast. Um, so make sure to subscribe to that. Um, but the news out of Venice, uh, Toronto International Film Festival, and Telluride, as well as New York Film Festival, has me super excited for the upcoming season. Um, also noteworthy, uh, the Ho Hollywood Foreign Press Association, the org behind the Golden Globes, which has its fair share of controversy in the last couple of years over corruption and racism and such, uh, they're apparently going to have a three new voting members who aren't actually do-paying members, but that should definitely shake things up uh, with regard to who wins and who gets nominated at the Golden Globes. Uh, in any case, for the rest of the episode, though, you know, those are all the headlines from the last couple of weeks. Um, I wanted to go over looking for the rest of the year, right? Um, and talk about the films coming out week by week, and then which ones I think will open to $100 million, or if not open to, at least gross over its lifetime $100 million. Uh, to recap my predictions for the year I made at the beginning of the year, I said that there would probably be seven films that could probably open to at least $100 million. I thought six of them would do so by end of the year. Um, I was correct on Batman, Doctor Strange. 2, Jurassic World Dominion, Thor Love and Thunder, all opening to at least $100 million, while uh, Lightyear only opened to about $50 million. However, on top of those, Top Gun Maverick and Minions Rise the Gru, who I did not predict, ended up opening at least $100 million, so that puts our total already up to that six. Um, there are two more films opening for this last four months of the year um, that I think could open to $100 million, which we'll get to in a second. Um, as far as films that would gross $100 million, in addition to the ones I already just mentioned, because obviously if you open to $100 million, you've made $100 million, um, a number... In fact, a large number have actually been pushed back to next year, kind of throwing off the number I was predicting. Um, and in this turning red, we came to streaming. But you know, so far, um, there were four films I thought at the beginning of the year could hit $100 million that did. Uh, Sonic 2, Uncharted, Lost City, and Lightyear. Um, I did miss on Morbius, and Bullet Train is still TBD at $92 million. But on top of that, we also have Nope, which I thought could make it, but wasn't confident enough to call it. And then Elvis, which surpassed my, my expectations by far. So that's six more films grossing $100 million, so 12 total to the six that opened. Um, Bullet Train's about $8 million or so, so call it maybe 13 That said, you know, we're still sort of me saying 20 films would hit $100 million by the end of the year, or at open this year would open $100 million. Now, the main ones I called out at the start of the year that are still in play uh, to open $100 million are Black Adam and, or th to make $100 million by the end are Black Adam and Strange World. Uh, and then on top of that, the ones that will open, I think, are um, Black are, of course, Avatar 2 and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, there are still also possible contenders with Halloween Ends, Amsterdam, and Puss in Boots, The Last Wits, uh, which will get us up to only 18 films to maybe get to $100 million. But let's go week by week and predict where these films will end up. 
so to get into September, uh, we're already into September, but the film from these last two weekends definitely were not players. Uh, so let's move to the next wide release. And I'll also mention films that I think have award potential, even if they might not get the biggest box office. Uh, and I'll also break out which ones are limited versus a wide release and Netflix. So this weekend, we have four wide releases. Uh, Pearl from A24, running the basis from UPTU2U Films. Uh, see how they went from Searchlight and The Woman King from Sony Pictures. Of these, the only one I think of having a real decent box office is uh, The Woman King. Possibly, maybe see how they run. Um, questions of historical accuracy aside, uh, The Woman King stars Viola Davis and is supported by John Boyega. Outside of the DC and Star Wars roles, though, neither of them have really appeared in films that made more than $100 million. Aside from Viola Davis in uh, Help from over a decade ago, which also had uh, Emma Stone, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Octavia Spencer as Draw Plus, definitely awards consideration. So I'm going to call it sub $100 million. Uh, box office has it at 16 to 20 million opening and making 42 to 67 million domestic. Uh, next, the weekend after the 23rd, the main release or re-release uh, is Avatar uh, Avatar 1, uh, which box office post has making about 10 to 20 million dollars for the weekend. Uh, Don't Worry Darling, which would have been Warner Brothers' main award push if not for the terrible drama going on over Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles and leading to Florence Pugh dropping out uh, doing press. Um, you know, that terrible reviews out of Venice, uh, perhaps, you know, this, this one's not going to do well. Perhaps the Harry Styles fans will come out. Apparently the IMAX event is supposed to have sold out crazy good and maybe all publicity is good with publicity but I don't expect it to, to hang on there right uh, box office post has it maybe like a 13 to 18 million dollar opening um, also opening is unlimited is Netflix's uh, Marilyn Monroe film Blonde starring Ana de Armas coming to Netflix on September 28th uh, September 30th, the film theatrical releases are Bros, a gay comedy starring Billy Eichner that's forecast to open to 10 to $15 million, has done pretty well, uh, uh, looks like it got pretty decent reviews out of Toronto International Film Festival, could maybe get an adapted screenplay nomination, um, and then Smile, a horror film forecast to open in the 15 to $20 million range. Uh, also on Apple TV+, Plus, we have Zac Efron-led, a greatest uh, beer run ever, uh, which uh, before the, the reviews came out of TIFF, I would have said would have been their watch play, given it's from the same director as Green Book, who won Best Picture, um, but it's gotten terrible reviews, uh, so I don't think this one will uh, do that well unless it somehow becomes a crowd pleaser. Uh, moving into October, the 7th has three wide releases. Uh, from 20th Century Studios, we have Amsterdam, a film by David O. Russell with a crazy star-studded cast. Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Chris Rock, Anna Taylor-Joy, Zoe Zaldana, Mike Myers, Rami Malek, Robert De Niro, and Taylor Swift, among others. Now, David O. Russell is sneakily a good box office draw as a director who tends to meet most people think would be award-winning stuff, or at least he used to be. Uh, his two Oscar-nominated films, uh, American Hustle and and Silver Linings Playbook made over $130 million each at the domestic box office, though his more recent film, Joy, only made $56 million, and his other two films were about like 10 years ago. Now, Russell has been called out by the Me Too movement, which has some people leery of the film overall, and Box Office Post has it to open to only 10 to 15 and maybe make $35 to $16 million at most. Now, if this one does break through, it could, its cast could get it to $100 million, but I'm not willing to predict that it definitely will, but I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Uh, aside from Amsterdam, them. Uh, we have the Saw Mendes, uh, 
voiced Lyle Lyle Crocodile movie starring Constance Wu also. Um, as the first real family film since DC League of Super Pets, almost two and a half months at this point. Um, this won't open near $100 million. Box Office Pros has it at 18 to 23 million, but it could definitely leg out to 66 to $95 million according to them, and I would say $100 million is totally in play. I'm personally skeptical, but hey, the lack of kids film is always a big factor here, and those always have great legs. Um, the last wide release according to the numbers is Tar, the awards vehicle for Kate Planchette that just won Best Actress at the Venice Film Festival. No forecast for it just yet, I wouldn't think it to be a huge box office draw, but it'll definitely be making the circuit and building up a buzz. Um, also releasing that weekend is a limited number of theaters is the Golden Palm winner from Cannes, uh, Triangle of Sadness. October 14th, the only wide release opening film is Halloween and from Universal, which we know there will also be on Peacock as well as in theaters, which I think is neg negligible. Um, the recent Halloween films have done pretty well, even during the pandemic. The first one made in 2018 made $159 million domestically, and the second one made $92 million during the pandemic. So, so long as it sticks to the landing, I think this one should actually hit $100 million by its end, though definitely not opening weekend. Um, also opening this weekend in Limited is uh, Decision to Leave, the latest film from Korean director Park Chan-wook, who made Old Boy and the Handmaiden, which is Korea's submission to the Oscars this year, so that one should do well uh, per theater average-wise. And there's also Till, a mother, a film about the mother of Emma Till on request to get justice for her son. Um, could be some awards consideration, potentially, we'll see. Uh, the next weekend of the 21st is the first big film for the last third of the year, Black Adam, The Rock's promise to upend the power structure of the DCEU. Now, The Rock is certainly a big-name star. Most of his recent films all have made hundreds of millions of dollars domestically. The question of those is how much of that is him and how much of that is the franchises he's part of. Um, in this case, the DC is in dire straits, right? They haven't made a film over $100 million since 2019. Now, granted, that is due to the pandemic, and the last film they did, Sazam, um, that made $100 million, made $140 million, and that one is closer to Black Adam story-wise than, say, Suicide Squad or Birds of Prey. So I think $100 million is totally a, a lock at her, in terms of total gross. Um, that being said, opening-wise, Subzam uh, only opened to $53 million, and even Justice League opened to only $93 million. The last one to open to over $100 million was Wonder Woman, so I'm kind of doubtful it'll get to $100 million. Even The Rock himself has not yet had a $100 million opening film, his closest being Fate of the Furious in 2017 with $98 million. So that's definitely going to make $100 million, maybe not opening weekend. Um, also opening that weekend is Ticket to Paradise, a rom-com between Julia Roberts and George Clooney. Two big stars, but their recent films haven't really been box office hits, aside from their two Oscar-nominated films, Wonder and Gravity, which this does not seem like an Oscar-nominated film. Uh, the director did work on Mamma Mia 2, which did get over $100 million domestic, but I think that's more the, it being ABBA than, than the director. Uh, in Limited this weekend, you have Banshees of Insurin, who is shaping up to be an awards contender with great reviews out of the Venice Film Festival. And then for Netflix, The Good Nurse on the 19th in theaters uh, is, coming to the is, is, is coming to theaters first before going to streaming on the 26th. We also have Wendell and Wild on the 21st, uh, a stop-motion animated film voiced by Keen Peel and directed by Henry Selleck, who did Coraline. Not really a box office play per se, but I think they are frontrunners for Best Animated Film nomination, releasing in theaters on the 21st and on Netflix on the 28th in time for Halloween. Now, on the 28th itself, I think due to Halloween weekend being a bad week for the box office, there's not too much coming out. There's a horror film called Devil's Light, which you can probably ignore box office-wise. In Limited, there's going to be the film Armageddon Time, which probably won't get nominated for anything. Uh, it's opening Limited before going wide November 11th. And then Netflix will be releasing their the German nominee for Best International Film, All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, which actually adapts the same novel that the previous Best Picture winner ended up adapting. 
Uh, moving into November, on the 4th, the biggest release looks to be One Piece Red, actually. The newest film in the franchise uh, we talked about earlier, distributed by Crunchyroll, should be the number one week film of the weekend again. Two anime films at number one. Kind of crazy. Um, the only other thing up against uh, Netflix is Netflix's limited release of Bardo, the latest film from director Alejandro Iñárritu. That was supposed to be the big awards push, but seems to be panned by critics, though. It seems the uh, industry might love it, actually. Um, it has a stupidly long theatrical window, for Netflix anyway, at a month and a half long, only coming to streaming on December 16th. Um, also opening this weekend is the So Weird I Can't Believe It's Happening Weird Al biopic produced by Weird Al and starring Daniel Radcliffe. Not coming to theaters, but oddly enough, coming to the Roku channel on your TV. So yeah, that's a thing. I'm totally going to watch it though. <laughs> Uh, moving to November 11th, the Black Panther Wakanda Forever releases. Now, it looks like the DCEU has some setbacks during the pandemic, um, and the Marvel Marvel did too. It didn't have a $100, opening, $100, open, $100 million opener until Spider-Man No Way Home, but uh, since then, with Doctor Strange and Thor Love and Thunder, um, they have had their films open $100 million. So the first Black Panther film opened to $200, $202 million, which is the highest opening for a non-Avengers, non-Spider-Man film in the MCU. So even if it performs half as well as the first one, it'll still open $100 million. Now, given the expectations of this one to see how Marvel will handle the passing on the mantle of Chadwick Boseman uh, and Black Panther to T'Challa, um, if they handle it well, this one will definitely pop off. Now, I... I, that said, I am arguably even more excited for the theatrical releases, uh, limited releases this year, this weekend. Um, we have The Fablements, which is Steven Spielberg's semi-autobiographical film that is shaping, shaping up to be an awards favorite this year. And we also have The Son, the follow-up to The Father from director Florian Zeller, which was supposed, supposed uh, which has surprised us all by having Anthony Hopkins win Best Actor that year. The reviews are a little bit less kind to The Son, though, but uh, Hugh Jackman in, in the lead role has buzz for Best Actor still. Uh, on the 18th, there are no standard four quadrant films because no one wants to open up against after right after Black Panther. So mostly awards fair. Um, C said from Universal opens wide this weekend after premiering at the New York Film Fest. And then limited we have uh, EO Poland's entry for best international that's throw the cans soaring a donkey as well as searchlights the menu. Um, the weekend of the 23rd is Thanksgiving week, so we have a lot of films opening midweek uh, before the holiday. Uh, in addition to The Fablements going wide, we have Bones and All from United Artists, a horror film starring Timothy Salome that actually got an award out of uh, Venice for Best Director. Uh, we have Devotion, a Korean War pilot film from Sony Pictures, uh, and Strange World from Disney. I don't think Strange World opens to $100 million. The only Disney film to do so ever uh, was Frozen 2, and that was just a powerhouse unto its own, but it's pretty much guaranteed to hit $100 million. The last Disney Disney film to not make $100 million was Brother Bear back in 2003. Um, anyway, back to the Fablements for a second. This act's going wide this week uh, for, ho for, the, for the holidays. I don't think it makes $100 million unless it ends up winning Best Picture. Even Spielberg's other Best Picture winner of Cinder's List made only $96 million. Uh, his $100 million films tend to be blockbuster or sci-fi or war films. The only awards film of his that has made over $100 million is actually Lincoln. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't expect the Fablements to be a box office draw. Uh, the vote uh, should be okay dad programming. I think my dad's definitely going to be into it. But the last war film that really made it to uh, $100 million was maybe 1917. And that had awards bus and uh, the one-shot gimmick behind it. So I don't think, uh, think Devotion is going to get there.
Uh, moving to December, the second weekend, the first weekend on the second, the only wide release looks like a Christmas action comedy from Universal called Violent Night, uh, starring David Harbour as Christmas. Without having the see- seen the trailer and only seeing a poster just this morning, I can't make a call, but I don't think it'll get to $100 million. Since the last film featuring Santa Claus uh, to hit that was uh, Rise of the Guardians back in 2012, which was a kids' movie. Um, also coming out this weekend in Limited is another Oscars contender, Woman Talking, which will have a wide release on Christmas Day. Uh, December 9th, there are two wide releases. Uh, the one being uh, what we mentioned before, the LeBron James produced film House Party. I think, I'm not sure if it's going to stay on this date or end up moving um, since Warner Brothers says they can only release two more films this year. Um, the first film based uh, on the, it's based on the 1990 film of the same name. That one made $26 million back in the day. Um, but assuming that that does not open, uh, the only other film then would be Darren Aronofsky's new film, The Whale, starring Brendan Fraser who got rave reviews at Venice. That one definitely should be an awards contender. There was an outside chance it does get to $100 million if it has awards bus. Uh, Aronofsky's 2010 film Black Swan hit $106 million domestic, but otherwise I don't think he's much of a box office draw. So this one's going to be uh, interesting to see if it, if it pops off. It's, it seems to be pretty difficult uh, difficult to watch um, or interesting to watch, I should say. Um, also opening and limited are the Netflix film uh, The Matilda Musical before going wide on Christmas Day on streaming, and an Empire of Light, another Oscar contender from Searchlight from Sam Mendes starring Olivia Coleman in a period romance in an English movie theater. Kind of mediocre reviews out of Venice, but hey, could get a couple of nominations here and there, especially for Olivia Coleman. Uh, weekend of December 16th is the big one. Uh, Avatar 2 releases this weekend. Um, this one should be a $100 million opening thing for sure. Otherwise, Disney would seriously re- reconsider what they're doing with Avatar 3 and 4. Obviously, no one wants to compete against James Cameron, with the exception of counter-programming. Uh, spoiler alert, The Hero Dies, which is um, a bit of a which is a bit of a, a, a tear-jerking film um, set to expand wide after going limited on December 2nd. There's also a Tom Hanks film uh, called A Man Called Otto, opening on the Wednesday before the 14th. So make too much um, either way. Uh, the weekend before the weekend before Christmas, uh, as with Thanksgiving, we have some mid-week releases. Uh, Sony has a biopic of Whitney Houston called I Wanna Dance With Somebody, starring Naomi Aki and written by the guy who wrote Theory of Everything and Two Popes, so some awards potential there. Uh, for the kids, you have Puss in Boots, The Last Witch, which I think it actually made $100 million. Uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip, actually opened against The Force Awakens and was able to get out to $85 million. So if Puss in Boots does well, especially given the lack of kids' movies since Lyle L. Crocodile, this one could easily get there. Or I guess we also have Strange World, so maybe maybe it'll have, still have some competition. But this one still could get there on the Trek legacy. Even though the last one was Puss in Boots uh, in 2011, so over 10 years ago, that one also made $149 million domestic. So don't underestimate the ogre. Uh, it may take a while till it gets there, though, in January, but I think it should get there. And then the 21st, the uh, the Wednesday before Christmas, that was the 21st, the Wednesday before Christmas, but going to the Friday the 23rd, there are a couple of limited releases. Uh, there's Living from Sony Pictures Classics that has an outside chance for a Best Actor nomination for Bill Nighy. Uh, there's Austria's International Submission, Corsage, that debuted at Cannes. Pale Blue Eye, an outside awards contender from Netflix, starring Christian Bale, that's coming to Netflix January 6th, releases in theaters this day. Uh, speaking of Netflix, we haven't yet mentioned it, but Glass Onion, the new Knives Out movie from Netflix, does not have a theatrical 
theatrical release date yet. So, uh, beyond saying it's going to come out sometime in September, November. I suspect it's going to be uh, Thanksgiving weekend, though. Um, but it will come to Netflix on December 23rd in time for Christmas, so about a week, a month-long uh, window, which is longer than, than most of their others. I'm not sure if we'll be able to see the box office numbers since Netflix usually has not shared those numbers, but it may for maybe press purposes. But if we do see one, it should be another. If we do get those numbers, I think this could be a $100 million grosser. Uh, the first Knives Out hit $165 million in a surprise hit. And by all accounts from TIFF, this one is even better. Uh, moving to Christmas Day, in addition to women talking going wide, we have the limited release of Babylon. Damien Sazel's throwback to early Hollywood excess with an ensemble cast led by Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. Uh, this one is currently an awards favorite, and the trailer looks pretty wild in the Wolf of Wall Street kind of way. Now, there are three comparables here, right? Wolf of Wall Street itself opened Christmas Day, it hit $116 million. Uh, Old Hollywood Nostalgia Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, also starring Brad Pitt, hit $142 million. And an Oscar favorite La La Land by Sazel hit $151 million. So this could likely hit $100 million sometime uh, in January during award season as it goes wide January 6th. But something to keep an eye on, though, the near NC-17 nature of the film, which I think they're going to try to get to R rating at most, may limit its broader appeal. And then wrapping up the year, the last limited release I could find was Korean film Brokers by Japanese director Hirokazu Horaeda, uh, starring Song Kang-ho from Parasite, which had some Oscars buzz, but after the decision to leave uh, took the Korean uh, nomination slot, uh, you know, this, one, this one's kind of not going to get any awards at this point, but it has a limited release on the 26th. So yeah, those are the films for the rest of the year. Uh, by my tally, that is two more films that should open to $100 million, Black Panther and Avatar 2, and then two more films that could should be locked to hit $100 million, Black Adam and Strange World. There are six films I think could hit $100 million of the stars of Lion, Amsterdam, Lionel Crocodile, Halloween Ends, Knives Out, Glass Onion, if Netflix releases the numbers, Puss in Boots, Last Wish, and Babylon. So up to 10 more films hitting $100 million this year, so that would put the total for the year to $22 million if all goes well, and assuming Bullet Train can leg it out. Now, we, so we should still hit the 20 films prediction, even if we had MI17, uh, Spider-Verse Part 1, The Flash, Aquaman, Mario, Creed 3, and Suzanne all pushed back to next year. So... Now, there was a couple other films that I, may, I might have missed, right? Netflix has uh, a bunch of other films I didn't mention here that doesn't really have awards potential, um, and and then some that they haven't actually released the dates for yet. I'm keeping my eye out for The Wonder, starring Florence Pugh, as well as animated film My Father's Dragon from Cartoon Saloon, who have a 100% nomination rate for uh, Best Animated Feature. But otherwise, I think it's going to be a solid last third of the year, at least awards-wise, if a bit lacking in big blockbusters. But with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Send me ideas for worlds I should cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at zemo.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can watch our show on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review. At the very least, tell a friend any of that helps. Uh, links to all of that will be in our show notes. Uh, numbers used in the show come from dnumbers.com. Intern and outro music from Kevin MacLeod at incompetent.formuso.io. Editing production by Ninsboy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast. And remember, our watch goes on. Yeah.